1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Why do I put such an emphasis on being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Many today believe that when they were baptized in water, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, They were likewise baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're not going to receive anything more. Now, some of these people are wonderful Christians. They have given themselves to follow Jesus. They have given themselves to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, why am I emphasizing the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, because their life demonstrates a lack of power. I have spoken with some, and they have honestly confessed to me that they have not won one person to Jesus. Maybe in their entire time since they became a Christian. A year, two years, five years. There's something missing in their life. But I'll tell you, the advantage to not receiving the full Pentecost baptism is that then the primary focus of a Person's life can be piety, the reading of the scriptures and prayer, and can be the constant battle with their sin nature. Having been born from above, they have the power to no longer walk in sin, and so they walk in constant discipline before the Almighty God. They concern themselves with their family with their income, being able to be responsible and pay their bills, pay their debts, cover what they believe needs to be covered. But in the midst of all of that, they have no power. When they try to witness, their words fall to the ground. They're blown away. You see, Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, that's the Greek word, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, a person who has simply received Jesus Christ and been born from above, while being a very sincere and devout Christian. Goes on with their normal life. And the call of God cannot be fulfilled. The old nature has not been removed. They still fight with their inner struggles with whatever those temptations are or were. That's not where the Lord wanted to have us as a resting place. He wanted us to join together constantly in prayer and wait on the baptism of power from the Holy Spirit. See, the church does not have a prayer meeting. The church is a prayer meeting. But we become impatient and we say, no, no, we've got to go. We've got to start this new program. We've got to go out witnessing. We've got to pass out tracts. We've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And through friendship evangelism, some people will come to the church. But that's not the way God intended it to be. He intended for us to have power. But it's like a man born blind, and everybody else in the village is also blind. And so for someone to come and begin to talk about the wonders of seeing, they say, what are you, insane? We're fine just the way we are. We're all blind, and we know that. That's our life. That's what we've learned to adapt to. And so this is how we live. And so to begin to talk about the wonders of having your eyesight, they don't understand. Now, it's very clear. In chapter 2, the book of Acts, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And the Pentecost is the celebration of the law giving. And it's on this day that Jesus chose to pour out his Holy Spirit as he promised. Because now we entered into the era not of the law, but of the Spirit. If you read carefully, Galatians Ephesians, Colossians, it's all about the age of the Spirit. Not living under the law, but living under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. This is fulfillment of what John the Baptist said, The one who comes after me will be greater than I, and he will baptize you with fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, the coming of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about speaking in other tongues. The coming of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about doing miracles. Those were simply evidences of what God had done in them. And they were advertising for the lost, for the sinners, that they would see something very strange and something very different that would totally change their life. When their sickness is healed, now their heart is open. This was Jesus' way of dealing with getting the attention of the people. Now, is Jesus going to go back to heaven and leave his people without any means of attracting the attention of the world to the gospel and testifying to the power of Jesus Christ? Absolutely no. That would be utterly unfair. It would not be just. So Jesus came and he worked miracles as an evidence that he was in fact the Messiah. We're told in Scripture that signs and wonders will follow the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Not to worship the signs and the wonders, but to glorify the one who is doing it, the name of Jesus Now sometime after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, Peter and John were going together. They were walking together to the temple at the time of prayer, which was at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when the evening sacrifice was made. And there was a crippled man who was carried by his family and dropped off at the entrance to the temple, at the gate, beautiful. He was there every day. Everybody knew him. And when Peter and John walked by him, they stopped. He asked them for money, and then, you know, how a beggar will do, ask for money and then walk on, go on. Waiting for somebody to evidence that they're willing to give them something. Peter looked straight at this man, as did John, and they said to him, Look at us. In other words, they got his attention. And the man gave them his full attention, and he was expecting then that they would give him something. And he said, Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What do you have to give to a beggar? I choose to drive by a certain place quite regularly because I know there is a woman Who walks with a cane, thin as a rail, and she, as I've talked with her, has bone cancer, and she is in considerable pain, but she's homeless. So I will drive by, and at least once a week I'll find her, and I'll give her a $20 bill, Ask her how she is, chat with her a moment as the traffic allows, and then move on. That's all the Lord has allowed me to do. I wish I didn't have a $20 bill to give her. I wish I could say to her, look at me. Silver or gold, I do not have, but such as I have, I give to you. Be healed now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I can tell you, if I had that power in the Spirit today, and I did that for this lady at the command of Jesus, she would begin to dance and shout Hosanna. Traffic would stop people would probably even get out of their cars. Everybody knows this woman. Everybody knows the street she's going to be walking. And many people do as I do and give her money, hopefully that at the end of the day she'll have enough money to pay for the motel where she needs to stay, where it's warm and safe. What do you have to give to a beggar who has cancer and is dying. Many of you will drive right on by that person and say, I'm not going to give them anything. If they just go get a job, they'd be fine. Well, she can't go get a job. She's dying. And she is in quite a bit of pain. I've watched as she has deteriorated I know she won't be there much longer. My heart is broken. I wish I had no silver or gold to give her. That's why I'm coming in part and saying we're going to pray for the Pentecost baptism where revival can happen, not where we just have an anointing. I have the anointing of God on my life. I know that. People have been brought to Jesus by listening to this broadcast. Many have testified to that. Mike in Oklahoma and many others testify that there is an anointing of God on the message that is proclaimed over these airwaves. And I praise God for that anointing, but it's not enough. It's not the full Pentecost baptism. And so I, I witness and I testify, and most people run. Most people leave. One person that I witnessed to was a Buddhist, and she became very angry with me and cut me off and said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the metaphysical. Don't talk to me about it. I'm not going to talk to you. Okay? Okay. I moved on. Last night, I saw this woman again. And this time, I didn't approach to speak with her about Jesus. She came immediately, quickly to me, repenting for her meanness toward me. I thanked her for her honesty. And I said, I am praying for you. And she said, Please, Pastor, pray for me. She doesn't believe in God, but she's saying, Please pray for me. Her husband is dying of Lou Gehrig's. I've known him quite a few years. And I've prayed for him and laid hands on him and anointed him. But he was not healed, he's dying. Do you see what I'm talking about? If you're able to just go on with your normal life, taking care of your job and taking care of your family and and having a social life and and watching some some entertainment on the television, the internet, having your little hobbies, uh, whether that be kayaking or biking or whatever your hobby happens to be and you're happy with your life and you can go out and eat occasionally and and you have your family and your children and everything's fine and you're a happy camper you don't care about people like this precious family i can't live like that my heart is my heart is too broken by the by the dying by those who are going to slip into hell if there is not a dramatic, powerful, intrusive work done in their heart by the Holy Spirit? How could I not cry aloud for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How could you not cry aloud and lay aside everything of the world and the flesh and the devil and just cry aloud for the Holy Spirit? Don't you care about people? Isn't there a compassion in your heart for the lost, for the dying? People are dying. And hell has its mouth wide open. And they're being scooped up and dumped into hell. I've been saying, oh God, would you just shut down hell for a time and Pour out your power. Lift up a standard of righteousness in this nation. Don't you see that America is crashing and it's going to burn? How can I be casual about this? I'm so broken. I weep over these things. I cry aloud in the prayer closet over these things. How can I not weep for them? I'm sorry. I don't, be, I don't mean to be so emotional. But this thing is very real for me. It's my life. I'm hidden away in Jesus. Jesus. And I love these people. I have a precious man that I love with all my heart. He's a Muslim. I know Jesus is calling him. But he's going to have to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit before he comes. The Lord already appeared to him once. but it's going to take more. This man, a Muslim, sacrifices so much for me, financially, for me personally, because he loves me. I'm his brother. I'm family with him. To see this man go to hell with his precious family and his children, my heart breaks for him. I don't know what to do, except Jesus said to me, Wait on me. So I'm waiting on Jesus. I'm waiting on Jesus for my for my dear friends who are who are not followers of Jesus and for many others that I don't even know. can we not weep for those who don't know Jesus? They took this man by the right hand. He helped him to stand up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, Acts, the third chapter. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk, and then he, he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to you. You killed the author of life But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying the Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, I want you to see something. It may shock some of you. When the people came running, they did not hold up their hands and say to them, God has done a wonderful thing. He's healed this man by the name of Jesus. And you know what? He loves you. He died for you. And all you have to do is accept him. That's not what they said. That's what the modern church without the power of the Holy Spirit says, and it's not working. They did not say, Jesus loves you. They said, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to you. You handed him over to be killed. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. What did they do? They immediately confronted their sin. They confronted their sin. I come on this broadcast. And my message to you is not, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Even though that's a very wonderful statement. And I love the song, Jesus Loves Me. I often at the close of our worship service will say to our worship leader, would you lead us in Jesus loves me, this I know. It's a precious truth for me. But that's not what you tell the ungodly. That's not what you tell the sinner man. You tell the sinner, man, your life is under judgment. I spoke last night with a a young college woman. I've been stopping where she works, and I've been witnessing to her. And I said to her last night, Do you know we've come to the end of time? And you're going to see Jesus come. And you're going to go to the judgment bar with God. And he's going to look at what you're doing. And he's going to make a decision about whether he's going to send you to heaven or to hell. She trembled. And she said, I better change the way I'm living. She was working, so I could not continue the conversation. I will continue it. But I left her shaken. She's a wonderful young woman, a college gal. So I drop by her place of work every once in a while, and I talk with her about Jesus. About the fact that she's under judgment. That God is not pleased with the way she's living. That she better get serious. Because Jesus is coming and there's a judgment bar. And a decision will be made about whether she goes to heaven or to hell. I've not said to her once, did you know Jesus loves you? That would be totally ineffective. It would not sway her one inch. She would say, Well, of course, Jesus loves me. I'm a wonderful person. But hellbound. She needs to hear that. Jesus was lifted up. They said, We know that you've been acting out of ignorance. You don't know. So let us tell you. You need to repent. You need to turn to God. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from me, from self, from the world, from the flesh, from the devil. It's turning to God. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. then they said, anyone who does not listen to Jesus will be completely cut off from his people. What did Jesus come for? Jesus did not come. Jesus did not come to simply say, I have given you legal forgiveness for your sins. Jesus came, 1 John tells us, to destroy the works of the devil in your life. He came to forgive you, yes, but the word in the Greek is aphemi. It means to remove. Yes, he gives you legal forgiveness. Forgiveness for all past sins by his shed blood on Calvary, but also by that same shed blood. He removes your sin. He washes you. He makes you clean. He makes you into a new man. I'd rather not have silver or gold to give to a beggar. I'd rather not have a $20 bill to give a woman who is dying of cancer. I would rather heal her in the name, the mighty name of Jesus, the Messiah. I would rather bring her then into the body of Christ where she could be clothed and get a new start where she could have an apartment or someone to live with, a roommate, a, a another woman to live as a roommate with her to begin to teach her the way of the cross. That's what I wish. That's what consumes me. We have, for so many years... Walked in our own power, in our own wisdom, that we have denied the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We have said we have enough of Him. You realize, of course, as I said to one pastor, I'm going to pray. No, I said, I pray every time I drive by your church, I pray for you by name. And I ask for the power of Pentecost to come to your church. He threw up his hands in horror and he said, no, pastor, don't pray that for me. I was astonished. I said, why would I not pray that for you? He said, because. One time the power of the Holy Spirit came to my church and it was so disruptive. Everything was upset. My leadership was upset. The church was upset because suddenly we were flooded with people. No, we don't want the power of Pentecost in our church. We just want to grow as Christians. I later learned he was having an affair with another staff member. soon a young man in his 40s he was taken home to be with Jesus I pray I hope he repented before he faced our Lord very successful large congregation but he finally filled up his cup and the Lord said that's enough it's finished and he checked out Massive heart attack. What I'm talking to you about is very serious. We need the Holy Spirit. And yes, it will disrupt everything we've known. But now the church is totally disrupted. The Lord has allowed or caused the church to be vomited out of their buildings. And now some are going to say, well, let's go back. We can build back. No, you can't. It's over. It's time for a new kind of church. The church is not a culture. The church is not an institution. And the church is not a business. The church is a body. Jesus is the head of it. And he intends that body to be fully indwelt by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, not the happy spirit, not the entertainment spirit, not the cotton candy spirit, the Holy Spirit. He intends that his church shall be indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you now that if you are not filled with the power of Pentecost in the days to come, you will be like one of the five foolish virgins Jesus spoke of in Matthew 25. You will not have the strength or the power to go through. You will be shut out. I'm speaking that to those who consider themselves committed Christians and are happy without the power and presence of Pentecost, Holy Spirit in their life. Now, what happens when a person receives the Holy Spirit? Charles Finney said that when a man or woman receives the power of Pentecost in their life, everything changes. They suddenly are given the power to testify and witness that Jesus is the Christ. They're now able to do as Jesus calls them to do, wondrous miracles of mercy. Wondrous miracles of mercy. They're now on fire in their spirit. They're bold like lions. There's no fear in them. They know they walk in the authority of God. They face even death, bravely, with courage and with joy. Everything is laid on the line for Jesus Christ. I was rebuked this last week by the Holy Spirit. I was rebuked because he said, I still had some of my personal life. Now, it wasn't sin. It was just personal. A place where I could relax. He wants me to relax in him. He said to me, about three o'clock one morning. Rest in me, Ray. Rest in me, Ray. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. That word rest in the Greek, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Yes, it means to stop cessation. But it also means a place of repose means a place of resting. The Lord rested from all of his work when he was finished with the creation. And there yet remains now a Sabbath day's rest for us to enter into. A place where we rest in Jesus. Where we don't have any place or anything that we do to veg out. Even if it's something not wicked even if it's just open, clean. No, Ray, rest in me. Let me be your place of repose. Come to my bedroom. Rest in my room and I repented of having thoughts and ideas that were not of the Lord. It's easy for me to to begin to say, Lord, I don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What can I do? Rest in Jesus. Wait on the Lord. I'm much better at production, go, 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 than I am Waiting on God, resting in the Lord, and so he has he has kindly rebuked me, and said, "Don't go there, let me direct your steps, rest in me, okay, but I have feelings too. course, as the Lord said to one man, are you more compassionate than I am? No, Lord, no. Jesus is the compassionate one. He's the one who died for us. He also weeps over those who are lost, who've never heard the gospel, who've never had an opportunity to turn, and even those who've had an opportunity who have been shanghaied by the devil, captured by his wickedness. The Lord loves them. He loves them so much he'll let them go to hell. Because if they choose that, that's what he'll let them do. So he Peter said to the people, Repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. In other words, that your sins may be removed, that you may be free of your sins, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed to you. Verse 26. When God raised up his servant, That is Jesus. He sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. I've come today to turn you from your wicked ways, to call you to cry out to God, to stop praying casually and begin to confess your lack of passion for the lost and the dying. to cry out loud about your comfortableness in in the little world you've created for yourself. We're so good at creating our own nest. I don't want my own nest. I want the nest of Jesus. I don't want my own. I'm a man without a home but I'm not homeless because my home is in Jesus. I will never be homeless because my home is where my heart is and my heart is in Jesus. I'm safe there. I wait on him. I praise him. Him. Jesus is the Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It is under Jesus that everything on this earth is going to be brought together in unity under the name of Jesus. How is that going to happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the outpoured Spirit as he uses your voice and your hands and your mind and your heart. The Holy Spirit needs vehicles that he can dwell in, that he can use for the work of the gospel. You were not born to work all of your life, to earn a living, to spend yourself trying to gain enough money to pay for all the bills. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Your place of work is your place of ministry. It's a place where you testify to people and identify the wickedness of their heart and confront them with their sins and call them to surrender to Jesus, to be born from above, to be transformed into his likeness, to be made into a new creature. To be successful in doing that, we have to be baptized in Pentecost power. So Sunday, the National Prayer Chapel will meet, Easter Sunday, and we are going to pray. We will sing together several hymns, we will pray. I will not be preaching an Easter message. We'll be praying. And we'll be waiting on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have a brand new web page. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go. Check out nationalprayerchapel.com. Our brother Ed has done an incredible job of building a brand new Webpage for National Prayer Chapel. There's still things we're adding to it. You'll see a lot more content coming up. I'm excited about it. I hope you will be too. Share the link with friends and family. Send it to them. Put them on your, if you're on the Facebook Face Death page, put it on Facebook. If you're on Twitter, put it on Twitter. Get the message out. Call people. I pray today's been helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. You can go to com. You can give online let me give you the wonderful news there's still one pledge outstanding and when that pledge comes in we will have the money to pay for last month that's such a miracle and you made it happen as you obeyed the Holy Spirit and you gave so kindly and generously thank you thank you now we start for the month of April every month this is what I go through praying in those funds, standing by faith. I pray that that you'll give as the Holy Spirit calls you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. I apologize, I've not gotten out thank you letters. I've been simply too tired and too much work. But I hope you hear my heart, how grateful I am for your giving. You gave to Jesus, not to me. All of the money that you gave will go for the work of the gospel for this radio broadcast to cover the cost of, of this broadcast. I don't take a salary from the National Prayer Chapel. All of the money that comes goes directly to the work of the gospel. I'm not independently wealthy. I just have a bank in heaven And I call on the Father, and he takes care of me. He said, will you receive only from my hand what I choose to give you? And I said, yes. So that's what I do. But for the broadcast, he told me to invite you to give, and if necessary, do an offertory day. So that's where it's at. God bless you, my brother and sister. I love you. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. Pray for this broadcast to be spread like the leaves of autumn. It needs a much wider circulation, and you can help make that happen by subscribing to our channel, by liking it, and by sending the link for these videos to friends and family. Well, we're out of time. God bless you. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. We'll talk soon.